Donahue. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of The Talent Fix. Look, thanks a lot for your time. You might be disappointed to know, Donald, that you're you're actually the second president. You're not the first president we've had at the show, but you're in good company. But look, without further introduction, I, if you could just give us a couple of minutes just by way of an introduction about yourself, you know, what you've done and the extensive experience you've got in the industry. Sure. Well, thanks, Barry. It's great to be here with you today. So my background, I've worked in the uh, staffing and recruitment industry since 1996. So whatever that is, I think 26 or 27 years or something like that now. So long time. I am currently the president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation in Ireland, which is the representative body for staffing and recruitment firms. So obviously, I work with yourself on the committee there uh, and, and other industry leaders from the sector. So that's a real privilege. And then the real day job is I'm MD at a company called Sanderson. And Sanderson are what we would consider, I suppose, on the path to becoming a global staffing recruitment, executive search and outsourced recruitment and talent management business. So we're currently based in Ireland, the UK, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia and India. And our growth has been both a combination of organic growth and more recently through mergers and acquisitions. So very exciting time for us. And when I'm not doing that, I do a little bit of lecturing on the BA Honours in Recruitment Practice at the National College of Ireland and, and some business advisory services for companies in staffing, recruitment, technology that are looking to looking to grow. So that's, I suppose, a quick overview. Of, Fantastic. Of- and I mean, just on that, I mean, you're obviously incredibly busy. I know we've had a chat about this on a few occasions, but I mean, how do you manage the role between president of the Employment and Recruitment Federation in Ireland and your role in you know, leading Sanderson's business? I mean, it must be you know, incredibly time consuming. I like to be busy. Yeah. Um, before, before, I suppose, there, there was the, the day job and then the kind of uh, the additional responsibilities. When I was younger, I was an athlete. So I was used to kind of organizing my time. So I you know, would obviously work full time and then train three nights a week, coach two nights per week and then do squad sessions and traveling for competitions and that kind of stuff on the weekend. So, and I've, you know, I'm also a dad to three children. So I think you just need to be a little Busy bit life. organized and um, tend to operate on not too much sleep. So I like to get up fairly early and get, get stuck into the day. And oh, yeah, I like to be busy. Good stuff. I mean, you know, we started a recruitment, I think roughly around the same time. And, you know, you've seen it through many iterations and many kind of threats, I suppose. I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of, you know, how would you sum up the probably change in the industry since we've been in it? And also kind of what challenges faces the recruitment industry, both from the point of view of maybe the agency perspective, but then also looking at it, you know, our client's perspective from talent acquisition perspective as well. So yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be great just to get a couple of insights from you on, on that point, Donald. Yeah. So I suppose there's probably two things that have happened during the time that I've been working in recruitment. The first is that the recruitment market now, and you know, if you look at Ireland and, and the UK, the market is now mature. So when I say it's mature, I mean, there's a better understanding in terms of buyer expectation from clients. Clients tend to have a, a you know, a good understanding of what the, the different products and propositions available from agency partners are. I think what's probably changed a lot over the years is that HR has become more sophisticated, looking at the value of, of an employee over the entire employee life cycle. Procurement has become involved 
in procuring recruitment services, you know, through tenders, whether public or private tenders. So the need to, I suppose, be able to define your services and to offer value and added value and long term value, I think is something that's probably evolved. But really, the nuts and bolts of the job in terms of assessment, sourcing, you know, judgment, speed to market, innovation, you know, the nuts and bolts are are the same. You know, technology has obviously been a great enabler for us. But I think that's what we're looking at now. You know, it's a, it's a mature recruitment market. We've all been through ups and downs and, you know, the pandemic. We've been through recessions and we've seen, you know, what businesses, staffing and recruitment businesses need to do in order to survive and thrive in those conditions. And ultimately, we've seen it from the client's perspective as well in terms of how they access talent in the labor market in different economic conditions. So I think that's probably the first kind of key trend that I think about is that evolution of the kind of flexible and contingent workforces. That's something that's really, I suppose, changed over the last 20 years. Brilliant. So I was reading some, it was an interesting piece of advice that I think you received. It was your best piece of advice that was given to you was, you know, around writing down your goals. I'd be keen to know, you know, obviously from a leadership perspective, you know, how do you get the best out of your, you know, your team and, you know, what advice, you know, rather than the best advice given to you, you know, what would be kind of the best advice you give to them in terms of performance? I think it really depends on the individual and that kind of whole concept of situational leadership is really important. So for me, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I have, a, I have a brilliant team that have been with me for many years. So the, the team at Sanderson Ireland, the leadership team, the other directors have been with me since day one. And I suppose we're a very, we're a close knit team, but we are very different in terms of personal style. So, you know, we've definitely got the person that is the, you know, the, the kind of influencer, we've got the analyst, we've got the ultimate team player, and I suppose we've got the robust kind of door opener. So we've got a, a nice combination of personality kind of types that fit together really well to form a good team. So I think as the leader of that team, it's about trying to understand where people are at in terms of their career and their life um, and just giving them a pathway. So at different times, people require different things from work. And I think when a team is together and is a high performing team for a long period of time, you go through everything. You go through, you know, bereavements, marriages, divorces, different, you know, recessions, pandemics. And I think putting together a team that can deliver success for the shareholder and for the organization over the long term is about just having those different people working together and helping them to play to their strengths and giving them the space to the space to get on with it rather than the the temptation to overmanage. Yeah, very good. No, good answer. Look, you mentioned the pandemic there. So in terms of I know it's something that we've, you know, spoken a lot through committee meetings and that with the Employment and, and Recruitment Federation. Just, you know, what's your view of, uh, uh, you know, of the pandemic? Do you think, you know, we've seen its impact and now we're rebounding? If everyone's got a view on remote working and, and how it's going to finally play out where the needle is going to settle. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I think the whole hybrid and remote working piece is very obviously the positive byproduct that came out of the pandemic. And I don't think we're ever going back. And I think the big question for me is why it took a pandemic for us to get to this point. And like, even if you think about the business that we're in, Barry, you know, in the days gone by pre-pandemic, you know, one of the things that you would have to look at as you're scaling your business is, 
you know, what's the capacity? How many desk spaces do you have in an office? And when yeah. you're at that stage and you're thinking, okay, well, there's this many headcount and my average productivity per head is this amount. And, you know, if I'm hitting those goals and I want to grow, well, then I need to lease mm-hmm. another office space or, yeah. or buy a building or something like that. And I think now we're just seeing that businesses aren't constrained by such kind of arbitrary things. And so that's definitely the positive byproduct from it. I think the other thing that happened in a lot of organizations, I see it with our clients and I see it, you know, and also the staffing and recruitment companies is that there was the ability to, to get some value. So a lot of leases were renegotiated. A lot of our clients went from having a desk space available for every employee to maybe down to having 60% coverage with hot desking and so on like that. So it allowed businesses during tough times to strip some cost and to maintain their profitability during slower times in the pandemic and position them for growth. And I definitely think we saw that 2021 and the first half of 2022 so far have been very strong in terms of skill shortages, hiring and client organizations, obviously strong economic performance in terms of corporation tax receipts and so on like that. But now we're facing into these times of, you know, the first interest rate increases for over a decade, you know, very high inflation for the first time in a long time. So there are challenges around the corner. So no sooner are we out the other side of the economic challenges of the pandemic than we're facing the challenges in terms of the supply chain, the impact of the war in Ukraine, and a whole host of new challenges. Yeah, no, for sure. And in terms of, I, I noticed as a term, quiet quitting, getting a bit of traction now in the media. It got me thinking as an employer who've adopted a remote first model, this idea of not being able to manage by walking around anymore. Is this kind of the next major threat that's facing employers, do you think? Or I really don't think so, because people that I think managed by walking around were, that's almost a PR exercise. And I remember years ago, people used to say that they'd say, oh, you know, our CEO is great because he'll he'll walk through the floor and he'll go and he'll have a chat about the weekend with somebody. And, you know, is that really leadership? And I think that the what we saw in the early days and the whole idea of managing by presenteeism and looking at, you know, if you think about the halo effect, you know, you have a new starter who turns up to work really early and is very enthusiastic and is quite clever about who they build relationships with and looks as though they're they're doing a great job. That halo effect can kind of can sustain. Whereas I think now with good data and insights and analytics, we're actually looking at people's contribution and, and their productivity rather than you know, just what appears to be the behaviors that would signal that somebody is doing a good job. So I definitely think that's been an area that people managers have have needed to transition a little piece. But I think when I know you've gone with the remote first model. So what we've gone with at Sanderson as a global policy is hybrid uh, three days in, two days remote. But it's very much about not coming in for the sake of coming in, but coming in when there's the point of collaboration or getting together with teammates. And we've seen, you know, the the things that we look at around productivity and engagement, it seems to be working quite well. But I think there's also a lot of autonomy given to divisional leaders to manage their particular area um, according to what the business needs and according to what their people needs. So I think that's working quite well. Great. Yeah, I know. It's a good balance. And just I've got my eye on the clock, Donald, but I'd love to finish off just with last question with two parts. What do you think the future holds for businesses when it comes to recruitment? And what will you 
at Sanderson or what will other businesses do you think be doing differently in the future from a recruitment perspective? Yeah, I kind of touched on this earlier on. For me, it's all about the growth of the contingent workforce. And what I think the main trend when I look at the at the next kind of three to five years is that, you know, historically, there was a propensity to make permanent hires and to think kind of permanent first. And of course, there's still a value in that. But there was probably a perception that flexible workforces were maybe more expensive, you know, that professional contractors expect to be paid a premium of, you know, maybe 30 or 40 percent on what their permanent equivalents would need. But I think the whole maturation of the of the labor market has shown that if you think about professional contractors, okay, they may get a premium of 30 percent. But the employer is now if they're hiring them through a limited company is saving the 11.05 percent employers PRSI. Saving the five to eight percent pension contributions they would have made, and they're actually bringing in the skills they need when they need them. So rather than having somebody on the payroll indefinitely, they're able to bring in the very specific skills that are needed when they're needed. So I think that's particularly important when you look at organizations that have change and transformation projects that they need to resource or want to, for example, enter a new market or test out a new product or proposition or something like that. So I think that's key. And it's not just about professional contractors, it's the development of the temporary agency worker as a solution for businesses as well, where, again, where an organization maybe isn't ready to commit to adding permanent headcount that they can bring in teams or people at busy periods or for gap fill or for maternity cover through an agency model. And then, of course, we know that probably 30 or 40 percent of those people will end up converting onto a, a permanent contract as well. So. I suppose I'm thinking that we're going to see further growth in the RPO market. I think yeah. we're going to see further growth in the MSP market. And I think the big thing for the staffing and recruitment people that are listening in today is that I think the days of the low engagement transactional type of recruitment are really numbered. You know, if your business model is entirely based on we will hire a person or a couple of people and charge a placement fee on success only. I think that model is is in decline. And I think the businesses or the recruitment businesses that are able to go to a client, analyze their hiring objective, and come back with a meaningful proposition that represents value to the client and helps them to get access to, to the skills they need when they need them. And I know you were doing it with your own business, Barry, and, and congrats on the rebrand of Rent yeah. a Recruiter. But like that Thanks. to me is the type of innovation that the the sector needs. It's something different. You know, you're offering a, a subscription model where clients can have certainty over their hiring spend over a period of time. And that, to me, it's very similar to some of the work that we're doing in Sanderson. We've got our projects business, we've yep. got our RPO business and our MSP business, where we'll go into an organization, analyze their spend, whether it's permanent recruitment or non-permanent recruitment, You know how much value the client is currently getting, what can be done better, what are the commercial gains to be made. Yep. And we're signing into you know three, four, five-year contracts and, and often being at the end of that period of time, we're being re-engaged again and again because the value is in that. You know, if you think about it, I can think of one customer in Ireland that has, say, 250 contractors and they receive one invoice uh, yeah. per month and they've got access to the analytics to see which departments are spending on non-permanent hiring. What's the average day rate? There's complete rate card visibility around markup, margin, etc. And, you know, from a procurement perspective, from a compliance and legal perspective and access to talent, I think that's what the future looks like. Brilliant. Well, listen, on that note, 
just want to say a big thanks to you, Donald, for your time this morning. And I think we covered an awful lot in a fairly relatively short period of time. So thanks again to Donald O'Donoghue, MDS Anderson and President of the Employment and Recruitment Federation. And the Talent Fix is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, Barry.